0: So this uh, class has been working on meeting with God. Uh, that is the concept, um, is that uh, we come to church and um, and we do a lot of different activities and we do a lot of different, uh, uh, different ministries. Um, in fact, JBC is just full of ministries. This building is full every single day. Uh, we do uh, schools, we do teaching, we do programs, we do camps. There's so many things that we do. Um, but we we'll do it all in vain if God's not a part of anything. And, and we even come to church and we even pray. We can even pray corporately and not meet with God even during prayer. Uh, in fact, in our world, probably the, the scariest thing where we can get is that our relationship with God is what we do for him. And whatever we do for him is our relationship with God. Well, the Bible's anti-that. The Bible is not that at all. What is our relationship with God? Our relationship with God is our relationship with God. <laughs> I mean... That's, that's what it is. I mean, the whole concept of salvation is what? Believe. I mean, that, that word believe. What do you what, Believe in what? Believe that God exists. Believe that God walks with you. Believe that God saved you. Believe that God died for you. Believe that God is with you. Believe that God answers prayer. All of a sudden, when you get this concept of believe, he's asking us, the word is asking us to embrace God. And uh, so, but we often don't go after God. We'll sing and not even go after God. We'll pray and not even go after God. This class is focused on just go after God. Just go after God. Go after God in prayer. Go after God through the Word. Uh, go after God in worship. Go after God in meditation. Put your mind away from everything else and get specific with God. So today we're going to talk about meet with God um, in prayer. And then next week, Jay Seeger's is going to speak. And then I'm going to do prayer again. And that's when I'm going to hand out all my prayer journals. And we're going to kind of walk through um, the prayer journals, the how to make this this lesson extremely applicable in regards to meeting with God um, during prayer and uh, in speaking through him. But just looking at this concept of prayer, we first have to understand it. Uh, so just to first understand, number one in our notes, prayer is a soul's traffic with heaven. I'm sorry. Prayer is a soul's traffic with heaven. God comes down to us by his spirit and we go up to him by prayer. One of the biggest problems in our world today is that we are way too easily pleased. Uh, we're we're happy with uh, money coming in and money going out. We're happy with with uh, uh, toys. We're happy with hobbies. We're happy with um, drink. We're happy with sex. What we do is we're so easily pleased in this world that we um, get busy and call it this our, our life. People say when you look at the the the, the pleasiness of God, the pleasures of God. Is is so far beyond anything that the world has to offer, but we don't think about that. We think, okay, I got to do my devotions. I got to do. I got to sit down. I got to read my Bible. Sitting down and reading your Bible should be one of the most enjoyable things you could possibly ever do. <laughs> I mean, it, re- it really should be. Sitting down and praying it actually should be one of the most enjoyable things you could possibly do. What happens? We grab everything about this the world, but when you're going before God, think about what you're going before. Think about who you're praying to. We're pleased with this, we're pleased with this, we're pleased with this, we're pleased with this, and all of a sudden we don't have time for God, and we throw him on the back burner because we're pleased with this. But when we're sitting in front of God and speaking to him, that's what prayer is. It's a soul's traffic from us to heaven, and then heaven comes down and meets us. It should be rich. Our devotion time should be rich. We should have expectation on our devotion time. I often, I have a, a spot where I sit in my house that's just right in front of uh, uh, my window, and I have a window just just looks right past the uh, where the sun rises, so I, I point um, uh, straight east, and the sun just rises right up, and I get the sunsets every morning before I wake up. And what am I doing? Not before I wake up, but during the process of doing my devotion. So what am I doing? I'm reading devotion. I sit there and I watch the sunrise. I mean, I tell you, it's a great experience sitting there talking to God, looking at his creation, and just meeting with Him. So go in there with the expectations. First Kings eight twenty seven says this: "But will God indeed dwell on earth?" Behold, the heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. This is Solomon building a temple. Heavens of heavens cannot even contain you. And I built this temple. I mean, how are you going to fit? Who are you? You're huge is what he's saying. Then 28. Yet you regard the prayers of your servants as the supplications. O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer of your servant that's praying before you today, that your eyes may be opened towards this temple day and night, towards this place of which you said, my name shall be there, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place. That may you hear the supplications of your servant and from your people of Israel when they pray towards this place, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, please forgive. God never denies a soul anything that goes clear to heaven to ask for it god specifically says i'm huge and i'm waiting for somebody just to ask think about that when we pray think about who we're talking to when we pray hebrews four sixteen. let us come therefore boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need you know look at jesus it seems like he went more willingly to the cross than we even go to the throne room of grace you know, Christ left heaven, leaving heaven, came to earth and died on the cross. So he could speak with us face to face in prayer. And when you're looking at this, you know, it's like, oh great. I gotta talk to God. Ah, oh, here we go. I gotta talk to God. When you move into prayer, think about I'm coming with great expectation. I am going to talk with God. You have to put that in your mind. Because if you don't put that in your mind, it's like, okay, I've just got to do it. I just gotta I just gotta do it. No, don't just gotta do it. Put in your mind. I'm going to talk to God and I believe it when I speak to him that I'm talking to God. Spurgeon said to pray is to bound on eagle's wings above the clouds and, and get into the clear heaven where God dwells. To pray is to enter the treasure house of God and to enrich oneself out of an exhaustive storehouse. To pray is to grasp heaven in one's arm, to embrace a deity within one's soul, and to feel one's body made a temple of the Holy Ghost. Number two. Prayer makes, you, um, prayer makes you into one who loves as you fall in love with God through prayer. So what does um, God want to do with you in prayer? The number one thing God wants to do is he wants you to fall in love with him. That's, that's what the desire is, that you will fall in love with him in the process of prayer. Um, but in falling in love with him, what's it going to do? It's going to spread out to every single, body else, every single every single other person around you as well. Prayer teaches you to love, to love him. And, of course, if you love him, then you are going to love others. Psalm 63, 1 says, Oh, Lord, oh, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalms 42, 1. As a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you. O God. Psalm sixteen, five, the Lord is my portion of my inheritance and my cup, you support my lots. When you look at David, this is David's Psalms, you look at him moving into prayer not as something that's draining, not as something that exhausts you. But we live in a world today that if prayer is something that drains us and prayer is something that exhausts us. If prayer drains us and if prayer exhausts us, then what are we doing? We're practicing religion rather than relationship. When you move to prayer, you gotta think I'm gonna move into this with a relationship rather than religion. What is religion? Religion is a, 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 a spiritual structure is what religion is. I gotta do this, I gotta do that, I gotta be here, I gotta make this happen, I gotta please God, I gotta it's just a spiritual structure is what religion is. Well, Christianity is a personal relationship with God. And so, yes, religion, it's under a religion because it's a spiritual structure, but the center of that spiritual structure is your relationship with With God, And the Psalms are given to us specifically to show us that you can have a relationship with him. I mean, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you. I long for you. I mean, this is a human being speaking. This is King David speaking in what prayer is doing to him. Charles Spurgeon says this. It is not the act of prayer that satisfies the godly. The godly crave an audience with heaven. An answer from the throne and nothing less makes them content. A.W. Tozer said this, I want you I want you to know where I stand. I want to say it plainly. I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. You would never get me interested in the old maid's social club with a little bit of Christianity thrown into it respectably. I want all that God has or I don't want any. I want himself or else I will go out and be something other than a Christian. What is... A W toes are saying, "Just give me God." <laughs> that's, that's exactly what David, King David, was saying. That's exactly what all the psalmists are saying. Just give me God, and God is enough. You know how was Paul able to do what he did on earth? It's because I have God, and since he had God, God was enough for him. Yeah, you can take away my life, you can take away my money, you can take away everything. Just, just give me God. You are my portion. You are my cup it. And make God that centerpiece of your life. That's when prayer starts to get on fire. Is when God, you're the centerpiece. You're my drive. You're my mission. You're my ambition. You're the, the centerpiece that has sended me and moved me. And we, we can say that and it's like, okay, that's wonderful. You know, I, I really want him to be my centerpiece. But, but how do I get him to be my centerpiece? Um, we'll see this in a couple weeks when we give you my prayer journal. But number one is, Pray it. <laughs> I mean, pray those words. When when you move into prayer, ask God. God, you're not my centerpiece. I want you to be my centerpiece. Um, the prayer journal I'm giving you is is a journal that is can be spread out to everybody. It's not just specifically to me. And, and it practically says, "Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Strengthen me, strengthen me, strengthen me, strengthen me." Strengthen me. The number one drive in that is on the very top is, God, give me you. God, let me hear you. God, give me more of you. God, teach me to love you more. God, teach me to to see you more. God, show me a hedge of protection that is around me. God, show me and help me to understand the cross that you've given me. God, give me the dynamics of, of the resurrection. Those are the prayers that we should be praying just because what you're doing is you're asking for more. If you're asking for more, like David says he's hungry. Give you more. We can easily ask and just petition. God help, God help, God help, God help, God help, God help. What about God? Give me, 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 give me. Fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. Fill me. Use, me use me, use me, use me. All this stuff. Pray for those things. God's di- desi- is dying to answer those prayer. I don't know if that's the right word to say dying to answer the prayer, but God is desperately wanting to give you that. Why don't we? Pray for those directions. Number three, prayer gives you peace, strength, and joy as you have fellowship with God. You know, I've been married for 27 years, almost 27 years. When you look at that, I mean, where would my relationship with be if I had no fellowship with my wife? My relationship would not be. I mean, there's no way that we would know each other, there's no way we would like each other, there's no way we would have intimacy with each other, there's no way we would have anything. Um, at all, Prayer gives you peace, strength, and joy as you have fellowship with God. You're fueling that inside of that fellowship, just like you're fueling it inside of a relationship with your mate. Letter A, God doesn't necessarily want to get you on the right path. He wants to enjoy you through the journey. Yesterday, I went rafting um, with uh, Gary Chambers, some of his um, son-in-laws and, and some of his grandchildren. We went to the, the Clackamas River, and, uh, oh, it was a, it was a wild run. Usually the Clackamas River is really, really freezing cold. I mean, we have to wear wetsuits anyway because the water is just ice. But yesterday was perfect. And the reason why it's perfect is because it was so hot that the snow was melting and made an awesome, really high flow. And, uh, and so it was, it was more intense than usual. <laughs> and we had an awesome, awesome trip. And, uh, they asked me, I think Mark asked me, he says, what got you into rafting? And I told him the story of what got me into rafting. I said, you know, I grew up on the Rogue River. And when I grew up on the Rogue River, I was just a kid, you know, growing up on the Rogue River. Um, I used to always look at the Rogue River and say, I want to raft the Rogue River. I want to raft the Rogue River. I want to raft the Rogue River. And then I started hiking the Rogue River. It's a 40-mile hike, 40-mile raft trip as well. And so I'd hike, and I'd look down there, and I'd always see the rafters on the Rogue River. and thinking, ah, oh, I just got to get down there. And i got to find somebody to do it. And I didn't know anybody that did it. and I, I, um, and, and no one asked me to do it, so... So I just grew up four years hiking that trail. Uh, there's a comment that I always make is you, you're, never, you're always on the trail wishing you were on a raft, but you're never on a raft wishing you were on the trail <laughs> because the trail is tough and miserable. But you're looking back, I just want, I, I just want to be on that, that river. And I graduated from high school. After I graduated from high school, I rafted the Rogue River. Went to college, and, and uh, my first year of college, there was a ministry that came out uh, called Reach Out Expeditions. And, um, and they are a ministry based, uh, it's a ministry, um, where they teach you how to raft, they teach you how to rock climb, they teach you how to mountaineer. And, um, and then you take youth groups, you take kids. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. Uh, of course I'm going to go broke because I need to pay for school and I'm going to do it all summer, but I did it anyway. And I learned how to do it. And then after I learned how to do it, I got married, I bought a raft, went down, rafted the Rogue River <laughs> for the first time. But then I had this little um, this uh, little emotion inside of me that says, "Anybody on the planet that ever wants a raft I'll take them <laughs> because I know what it's like when you want to do it and you don't get it you don't get to do it and uh, so sure enough, you know I've taken I, I think I'd say hundreds of people, but I think we're actually over thousands I mean in between one, two thousand, maybe even more than that I don't know I've been doing it for for twenty years and uh, taken lots and lots of people and you want to find out." It, Rafting is not about the water, ever. It's not even about how big the water is. I mean, I've run the, the river I ran yesterday, I've ran, you know, 30, 40 times. You know, the Deschutes River, I've run about 250 times. You know, didn't it get boring? <laughs> As I look back, of course it would get boring if he had, if it was just me every time. Or if I just had the same people every time. But when you get a new group of people every single time and you try to take the whole world, I'll tell you what takes place is you enjoy people on the journey. And it's all about enjoying the people on the journey. It's not about the water. It's actually about the faces after they hit the water. That's 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 what's so cool. And and when they look back, I'm like, oh, that was big. I'm like, yeah, don't tell your mother. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I I didn't say that. But... It's it's about the the journey that you enjoy with people. In fact, that's what life is all about. It's all about the journey with people. We know that. If you have everything in this world, all the money, all the houses, and you own this world, but you're going through a divorce, nothing's worth anything. Because your relationship is rocked. You don't even care about anything anymore because your relationship is rocked. If you win the lottery and you have nobody to share it with, the lottery does nothing but curse you. And the reason why is because you don't have a relationship to to, to put the money to work, to, to enjoy it. It just it's just a it's a dead end street. Why are the richest people in the world, some of the most miserable people in the world? It's because they don't have anybody to enjoy um, if they don't have anybody to enjoy with it, their money doesn't do anything except curses them. I had a, a millionaire that was um, a part of our youth group. He wasn't a part of our youth group. He actually funded a lot of trips in our youth group. And, uh, and he, I really listened to him when he talked. And, um, and he, we used to go out to lunch all the time, breakfast all the time. And he, he, said, he said these words. He said, don't ever go and get a whole bunch of money. He says, what it does is it changes you as a person and nobody looks at you anymore as a person they look at you as a dollar to think what they can get out of you. Feels like, I felt like I lost myself with my millions that I've, I've made. And as I was listening to him, it, it is—it's a proclamation. that It's all about relationship. Makes everything come alive. And if you don't have the relationship, then nothing comes alive. That's the foundation of life—is relationship. Well, what about relationship with God? <laughs> God just, I'm not trying to just always protect you. You know, I'm trying to go on a ride with you. And sometimes the ride is going to get rough. Sometimes the ride is going to get crazy. Sometimes the ride is going to be really, really good. But it's about the relationship. (laughs) That you actually enjoy the rides up and down. That's what makes life rich. Not what we can get from God. And see, the way we've ruined life, God in the way we've ruined Christianity is God's a source that provides us something that makes us happy that's actually not correct God is the source that makes us happy because there's a relationship that we have there and we get to enjoy him on the ride we get to enjoy him I mean in a sense of I'm being tempted but God you know what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna do it help me to survive this God I'm struggling right now in in um in in the cancer that'm uh, the cancer I'm fighting with, but when we're struggling with the cancer or fighting with it doesn't mean that the cancer is going to ruin you, the cancer is going to kill you, the cancer is going to destroy you. It means God I'm with you in this process, and I know the end result I live even the day that I die, I see you face to face. Therefore, I want to sense you more and more through this process of going through this life. It's about the relationship. You can take, like Paul did, the worst of the worst and make it really good as long as you have a relationship. That's how come Paul could sing in prison. He could sing in prison because his relationship with God was so powerful, was so strong, was so rich, the the world couldn't touch him even when he had absolutely nothing. Christianity is about that relationship and that is what makes you excited um, uh, in life, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I don't need any more. That's what David's saying. I've, I've got it all. I mean, and we know King David. I mean, we're going to really go through this stuff uh, next fall. But we know King David. He was anointed king, and he could have killed Saul and he could have taken it twice. But he didn't. Why? I don't need to be king. I've got God. I don't need to have all the money. I have have God. I have this anointing. But without God, this anointing doesn't do any good. I've got God. It's enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, you comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, look at the first chapter, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4. He, he makes, he leads, he restores, he guides. I mean, all of it. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, he, I mean, it's, it's all, this is God. With me, I mean, if prayer is going to turn on fire, you have to speak to the first. You have to speak in first person. I mean, you have to you have to speak to the the creator. That's what we're doing in prayer anyway. You have to believe you're speaking to the creator. You have to meet prayer for the purpose of meeting with the creator. Number four, prayer gives you wisdom as it unlocks the mystery of God's mind. You know, when we talk about God's will. People think, you know, what is God's will for my life? What, what is God's will? What am I supposed to do? Where does God want me to go? Um, God wants to give you His will more than you want to receive it. (laughs) So we ask those questions: What is it? What is it? He wants to, He wants to shower you with His will. The problem with Him giving His will is you'll take off and you'll run without Him. (laughs) That's the, that's the issue. You know, I want you to be a pastor. That's my will for your life and oh okay God wants to be a pastor and then you just go run and be a pastor and you can leave him behind and that's doable that's easy to do I mean to be a pastor and preach the word and just leave God behind I'm just being honest with you it's easy to do God doesn't just tell you his will because his will is to do what? is to be right close to you is to be right next to you is to communicate with you is to walk with you is to talk with you that's God's will period that's that's God's will. And then as you're doing it, then God gives you little pieces at a time as he's sending you a direction. Why? Because you are with him. And being with him, there's going to be guidance, there's going to be direction, and you won't even have to ask the question, what is God's will for my life? All of a sudden, you're just living with him. And all of a sudden, this has taken place, this has taken place, this has taken place, and and you're enjoying the process with him. And uh, that's God's will for your life, Period. This is the will of God. A.W. Tozer. When you look at um, God's mind, he's going to pour it down to you, A.W. Tozer. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong quote. That's not a quote. I'm supposed to read Romans 8. Romans eight twenty-six. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Proverbs 2, 1-5 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry for discernment and you lift your voice to understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. God wants to give you his thoughts. He wants to give you his brain. He wants to give you your will. And all of this says, incline, seek, cry, try to understand. All you have to do is just try. And all of it is going to be shoveled down to you. He doesn't want to hide his mind from you. Number five, prayer teaches you dependence. You get these words all the way through scripture. What is the word? The drive of scripture when it comes to prayer is, is ask. Ask. What do you mean ask? Ask is be a beggar. <laughs> Understand your position. I mean, the coolest thing, the only reason why God says yes is because I believe he wants you to see his hand that he is there. That's why God says yes. But often when he says yes, what takes place is well we're done with him. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I answered my prayer. Okay, now I don't need to pray to him anymore. The only reason he would say yes is for you to go, God, you're alive. God, you hear. God, you answer. I'm going to do more of it. But yet, our human beings react opposite. God, thank you. I appreciate it. Now I can move on. If, if yes is an answer. But that's not the way God works. If he gives you an answer, yes, it's to open our eyes. I've I, I got to have more of this. i got to do more of this. Luke 11:9 9 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For anyone who asks, receives, and who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be open. I mean, what a promise that is! Now, when we look at that promise, many people get mad at God as a result of that verse. Many people hate God as a result of that verse. And why? Well, I asked, and He didn't give it to me. Or I prayed, and He, and, and he didn't answer. And we, we end up judging God. And really, prayer is the richness that makes a life that makes a relationship come alive. He just wants you in his presence. And as you're in his presence, he's going to answer. And if he answers, go back to him and say, thank you, I believe, I take it. Arthur W. Pink says, prayer is not so much an act as it is an attitude, an attitude of dependency, a dependency on God. John Trapp, God never denied a soul anything that went as far to heaven to ask for it. Number six, prayer teaches you how to fight and strengthens you on the battlefield. person who can pray is the mightiest instrument christ has in the world uh, the most powerful person in the world is a person that prays i i heard this uh, story about this um, missionary uh it was extremely effective missionary uh he planted multiple schools powerful powerful speaker and um, and he devoted he devoted 40 years in the mission field and i'll tell you he changed the world in the mission field he's known all the way around the world and uh and after Devoting 40 years, going to a young age, devoted 40 years, uh, coming home about 65 years old, um, he retired. And when he retired, he says, well, I'm a person that I can't just retire. I gotta do something. So he set a goal. I'm going to pray for 40 hours a week. And I'll do it for five days a week. And that's gonna be my new job, is that I'm going to pray. So that's what he did. He just prayed for 40 hours a week. Nobody ever, you know, saw him because he was in his closet. He was, he was praying. And at the end of his life before he died... He said, those 15 years that I prayed for 40 hours a week, I saw a tenfold amount of work being accomplished than I was working in the mission field. He said, I just prayed, and God just seemed to answer, blanket answer all the way across. He says, you won't believe the conversations I had. You won't believe the effectiveness I had. You won't believe the work that I've seen because he grabbed everything he could possibly pray for. And that was his retirement. The most powerful person in this world is a person who prays that's a person that is that is on the front line letter a in prayer we bring our spiritual enemies into the presence of god and fight them there thomas lie said i had rather stand against the canons of the wicked than against the prayers of the righteous daniel 6:10 now when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he entered into the store in, in his house. Now in his roof chamber, he was in his windows towards Jerusalem, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks, thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. What do we know about Daniel? Well, Daniel in the lion's den. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's all about the power of Daniel in the lion's den. Why was Daniel in the lion's den such a powerful story? Well, they told him not to pray because he prayed three times. This is the most powerful verse in the story of Daniel in the Lion's Den. Told him not to pray. He still knelt down and he consistently prayed, and as a result, he was redeemed from the lion. That's why we know the story. Psalms ninety-one thirteen. You should have power to tread on serpents. Thomas Watson, the angel fetched Peter out of prison, but prayer fetched the angel. And Thomas Lyre, I'd rather stand against the canons of the wicked than against the prayers of the righteous. Sorry, I already read that quote, but I had to read it again. Number seven, prayer teaches you the way you should go. Psalms 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not be as a horse or as a mule which have no understanding. These trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. Again, we're always asking God, where should we go? God, what should we do? Um, God is not even looking for that as much as, Just do the will of my Father. If you look at the Bible, there's two different categories. There's a category of law, there's a category of wisdom. So 80% of the Bible on what to do is actually written in the book. You know, thou shalt not kill. That's that's law. Thou shalt not lie. You know, that's law. So we can read the Bible and you can get 80% of stuff that you should do or you shouldn't do. You just read it and you take it and that's what you should do. And, and when you do is just, just obey that eighty percent. Well what about the twenty percent? The twenty percent falls into the category of wisdom. What college should I go to? Who should I marry? I'm sorry, that's just not in the Bible. You know, it doesn't give you the name of the person you should marry when you read the Bible. That that falls into the category of falls into the category of wisdom. But what you're doing is if you obey everything that's written in the word, the written will, and, and you pray and you're reading it and you're responding to it. Then that just, that's all you need to do. And then all of a sudden, guidance will start taking place. And as guidance starts taking place, you'll be surprised where you will end up. You'll be surprised where God will take you. You'll be surprised the journey that you'll be going on. Frederick Robertson said, pray until prayer makes you forget your own wish and leave it or merge it into God's will. The divine wisdom has given us prayer, not as means whereby we escape evil, but as a means whereby we become strong to meet it. Number eight, prayer delights God's ear, melts his heart, and opens up his hand. We just um, had some calves. We we get uh, cows pregnant. We got three cows um, that had calves, and uh, we get cows pregnant every year, then get the calves, and then raise the calves. And um, and we've got one that um, just doesn't want to eat. In fact, I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to die. In fact, I, I'd go out there in the hay and I'd actually end up stepping on him because all he would do is sleep. And I'm wondering, did he even get his uh, mom? Has he even gotten to her yet? And so I locked her mom into a stall and then I took him and put him into the stall. So hopefully he would just sit there and eat. this is after four days after the cow was born. And I mean, extremely skinny and those things. So. Um, sure enough, I left him in there for three days, four days. The mom did not like it. She tore the whole pen apart. It's just, it's, it's a mess that I still have to clean up. But anyway, after four days, forced to eat because it was right there. So she was eating a a little bit. Um, but before I did that, I, I got a bottle and we had some goat milk and I tried to feed the cow goat milk. And I mean, like... Eat and I mean just pour it. And I'm like, why don't we just open up the and just shove it down? Because I wanted to get the milk inside. I mean, it's just a thousand bucks if I can get you to you know eat and live. If you die, you're not worth anything. You know, I got to pay my bills and just eat the milk. And there's frustration that, that goes on with that. And uh, no, I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat. I don't want to. Eat. So I think it was effective when it was um, when it was when the cow was in the the um, in the stall. So I let him out after three four days. And then after three or four days, I keep on looking. Is that cow eating? Is that cow eating? All the other ones are eating, but the other cow's not eating. In fact, the other cows are eating like crazy, and they're out there playing games, and that cow is just sitting down there, and I keep on looking. Is a cow eating? Is a cow eating? And yesterday um, morning, the cow just barely stood up and started going to the mom. I'm like, I get to witness this cow eating. So sure enough, goes there and starts eating. And another calf went to the mom and started sucking the milk out of both sides. And I wondered. What is that calf eating that milk for? And, oh boy, I took my BB gun. Don't tell anybody this. I started shooting that calf. I could herd cows without BB guns. Because all you have to do is just, it's a distance away. You just shoot. And they just, I mean, they just, they just kind of move. They understand. But that calf that was eating on that mom that I did not want to eat would not even listen to the BB. It just kind of, he just keep on eating. And I shot him like six times. And he still didn't. He still didn't move away from the cow. I was getting so frustrated. Uh, so probably ate all the milk out of there. But I'm still looking at the cow. Why don't you eat? Take it. Swallow it. Please, please, please take it. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. Prayer delights God's ear and melts his heart and opens his hand. Oh, I have that. Uh, Psalms 116, this is where I was going. Because he's inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I shall live. I guess that story didn't connect very well, but that's all right. It is a fun story to tell. <laughs> Psalm 4 1 says this Answer me when I call on you, O righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayers. Psalms 18 me give, give me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. Give me a sign of your goodness. Give me understanding that I might live. Give me understanding that I might observe your law and keep it with all your heart. That's where I was going to go with that story after I'm starting to connect it. Give me, 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 give me. give me. God is just desiring to just feed you like crazy. That's where I was going to go with that. And all we have to do, these are psalms written by people. Give me, give me, give me. Who is this person? This somebody who's hungry. It's also somebody who's changed the world. The psalmist has changed the world. Why? Because he's hungry. That's it. How do you know he's hungry? Because he give me, give me, give me, give me what? Give me shield of victory. Give me a shield of goodness or a sign of goodness. Uh, give me understanding. Give me, give me, give me, give me. If you have somebody hungry, what's are going to do? They're going to change the world. Problem is we're just, not, we're just not hungry. We're just not eating. But as a result of these psalmists, yes, they're going after it. Psalms 119, 73. Your hand has made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I might learn your commandments. Proverbs twenty three twenty six. give me your heart and your eyes. Keep my ways. Proverbs 38, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only the daily bread. Psalms 119, God revive me through your righteousness. These are prayers that are being spoken in the word. Psalms 119, God revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep your testimonies in my mouth. Psalms 119, revive me, O Lord, according to your word. What does this person want? This person wants revived. So what he's doing, he's, they're begging for it. Psalms 119, God, please teach me your statutes. Make me understand the ways of your precepts. Psalms 119, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Psalms 119, 66, God, teach me a goodness and discernment and knowledge. I mean, teach me, teach me, teach me, guide me, guide me, guide me, guide me use me, use me, use me. That's what, that's what the prayers of Scripture are praying when we're looking at prayers, our prayers often go a different direction. But this is what scripture is praying. And if they're praying that way, what should we do? We should pray that way as well. So, Therefore, pray like you're starving. Pray like you're need. Pray like you need to be restored. Pray like you need to know God. Pray like you need to understand the cross. Pray like you need to, to sense God's presence. Just Just be a beggar. Just ask, plead, beg. God is just desiring, just as much as I want to get milk in that cow, desiring to shove you full of life. That's where God's at. Um, I don't know, do I have a person with a microphone? I do have a person with a microphone. So is there any questions? I don't know. I'm going to wait to see if he's died. If next week I'll tell you if he died or not. No, not next week. In two weeks we'll see if he died. He wants to know if the calf is eating now. So this is, that's, a, that's that's a, that's a good question. It's stressful around stressful around our house. I did I did um, open it. There's one person down here. Um, I did uh, um, open them up to um, really rich green pasture. So I'm hoping that that's gonna I'm hoping that's gonna work. I just lost a calf. An older calf, about a month ago. So it's it's been kind of sad around our neck of the woods.
1: Well, I thought your story was just great, and I got it. It's oh. and I thought about in Isaiah 55, where God says, "Give ear and come to me, listen that your soul may live." He wants us to take in everything He has for us. But uh, the thing I, want, I wanted to share was um, something that Howard Hendricks said. Uh, he was a professor mm-hmm. at Dallas Theological Seminary for many years. And he wasn't talking about prayer, but I think it applies. He was talking about the Word of God. And at the beginning, you said, we should be excited and anticipate; You know, it should be a joyful thing. But it's also true that that's a growing thing. And yeah, you, you get absolutely. an appetite for it. And I love what he said. He said, um, uh, when you first start in the Word, or prayer... Um, you do it, you you do it because it's good for you. it's medicine, it's like medicine. Mm-hmm. and you take it cause it's good for you. And then you progress to the dry cereal stage where it's um, dry but nourishing. But he said, if you keep on eventually, and his favorite food wasn't mine, but he said, eventually it'll become like what your favorite food is, you'll just delight in it. But it is a process if we are obedient to begin. So I think sometimes we might think, well, we should be, Delighted and excited, but the, the faithfulness of God is that if we will by faith begin, He will bring that joy, delight, and excitement to us. Yeah. So, Howard Hendricks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dry is what what is what does Pastor D do say? Dry? Dry as dirt. And, um, and and that's the same way with reading the Bible in prayer, is that you have to set a goal and you have to do it and you have to do it every day. Uh, when I first talked that, that first lesson is that time of solitude. Um, it's going to be dry as dirt, you know. That one, two days, three days, four days, five days, six. It's, I mean, but the consistency actually grows inside of you, and um, and 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 I just because I, I I remember my area, my time, and I'll tell you, I still go through phases of dry as dirt, and you, you do, you go up and up and down uh, through these uh, through these phases. The thing that rescues me and pulls me out sometimes is what is my system to, and um, and if you ask me to um, pray thirty minutes a day, um, I'd fall asleep. I mean, I just, I mean, I I, I would, um, um, and and I, there's almost a pieces that you have to. Um, I can't wait to show you my system. And and uh, and and the system even starts out really slow, and it has to be you, your system even has to be designed to do it. But if 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 you do, even if it's dry as dirt, and you don't get a system, you do dry as dirt, 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 and that system does not get put in, you will still you will still even struggle through struggle through that. Um, so. Um, prayerfully you'd walk into a system even as you go and try dry as dirt, dry as dirt, dry as dirt and what that system will do is it will pull you out when it goes dry again because that is what happens is that you go dry, you go up you go dry, you go up there's a lot of things that make it um, um, go dry, sometimes it's just the, the result of prayer um, it just um, makes it go dry so, yeah Sue. Um. oh, somebody else got one?
2: Yeah, your your cow and calf remind me of, uh, both of uh, of Matt's sermon today, uh, where it's a, a binary, an A B choice, heaven or or hell, mm-hmm. and also uh, the cows out there willing to supply that calf, but the calf is like us, like most of us people, um, supplies there, but it's up to us to take it.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, and the, just to add to that, the mama wants to get rid of the supply <laughs> she's tight. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, I'm talking cow language now. Um, right down here, we got a hand up right here. Um, the, when those udders get full and they get tight, and do you know what they do? Is they look for the calf and say, "I want to release it," and then the cow gets on, the calf gets on, and it's like, "Oh, now the mama can relax." I just say. God's the same way. <laughs> he's ready to release it. He's ready, he's ready to push it. So, yeah, so,
2: I have two things to say. Number one, I've raised calves. And mm-hmm. you can get a bucket and you can buy some calf food. And you can raise them on a bucket and it works just as well. But I also wanted to say that when I was a new Christian, my pastor told me to get my Bible open, sit down and start reading and talk to God as you read your Bible. And it's something I've done for years and years, and it's, it just draws you closer to God. If, mm. if you take your prayer time with the Bible. Yeah. So anyway, think about the bucket instead of putting it on the cow. That's probably what the calf needs.
0: That's probably a good idea, but how do I get that milk? I don't think that cow will let me go, go milking. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe you could
2: put another cap on your cow yeah, and they, just feed the, the little calf until it gets going on yeah. the bucket. Anyway.
0: We got to get food in that stomach. So I agree with you. The word works really well with prayer. It, it really does. And probably those two together, you know, is is to, is to kind of toy around and work with um, because um, it will, you, you, you will, time will pass fast, you know, when you're working with both of those kind of going back and forth. Yeah,
2: uh Yeah. Uh, My question
0: is, um, if I don't get the answer that I want from God, then that challenges my belief and that puts a personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is, um, this is actually a big, um, thing that's going on in the world right now is that, um. Is that we pray, and it says right here, ask, and it will be given to you. And seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will ask. And you're asking, and all of a sudden, you're not getting the answer. And all of a sudden, you never get the, you never get the answer. And, uh, and it's, it's a huge, huge thing. Because then what happens is we start to sink inside of ourselves. What I mean by that is we start thinking, what did I do? Did I not have enough faith? Did I not pray hard enough? Um, is do I, do I sin too much? Doesn't God not like me? And we start to evaluate God in regards to whether we, whether we, get, whether we get the answer um, or not. Um, this is the answer that I would, I'd put to that question. Is the, the richness and the power of prayer is you standing in God's presence and asking, and God is always designing an answer all the way around when you don't even see it, when you don't even see things taking place. So you can be praying for this, and as you're praying for this, and every time you're, you're praying for this, God is pulling you closer for something even richer, for something even stronger, for something even more beautiful. God's always doing something when you pray. And when you don't see the answer... Um, you know, we can come up with a formula. God says, wait. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even come up with a, a formula. say, Or God says, no. I, I wouldn't even come up with a, a formula. I would say God wants that relationship. And sometimes he withholds the answer because the relationship is the jewel that he is really looking for. And the one jewel that will last for eternity. And uh, as we're looking for things, just a lot of people, you know, We'll live in the world and then they'll start, they're praying for something and it's like, well, I need to go to church. And then they find a church and they've got, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, I've got to have this, I've got to have this. What they're, what God really wants you to have because he loves you so much, loves us so much, is he wants you to have your soul in his arms. And he wants you to have his ear. He wants you to have his mouth. He wants you to have his connection with you in the process of walking through life. And in that process, that's the that's the power. That's the glory. That's the the peace that, um, that is um, the, the richest jewel that we could possibly have, even beyond the answer um, that is there. Um, but that answer that is often there that we're asking for brings us then closer to God in those pieces of it. God might say yes. God might say no. But if God says no and it's not happening, it does not happen, then God's doing something else because he's always, always doing. And um, so my encouragement would be to keep on praying for it. Keep on praying for it. Keep on praying for it. In that process, you can pray for 20 years. Say 20 years takes place. Say 30 years takes place. Even praying for those pieces of it, um, I believe that God's going to answer that even after 20 years. But the gold, most golden part is your 20 years with God praying for it. That is the coolest thing. That is the thing that God might never show you the answer because he wants you to hang on to. I've heard a lot of stories with um, salvations. We pray for the salvations of our loved ones. And I've been praying for years and years and years and years. I've been praying for 20 years, you know, for my loved ones. And accepted Christ right before they died. Well, what happens if they accepted Christ 20 years ago? That person might not have been on their knees for 20 years. And and that's an act of love sometimes when God holds things back because he wants you right close to him. So, all right, looking at the time, we better wrap up. So Jay Seager will be here next week, and then the week after, um, I'll be back and give you that prayer journal, and we'll continue to move forward. You're dismissed.